Much of today's world is shaped by the impact of COVID-19, and pandemic response is operationalized into everything we do moving into the future. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Paul Teese, and in this episode of If When, I'm joined by Bob Pregada, President and Chief Operating Officer of Jacobs, and Chrissy Tom, Jacobs Vice President, Global Solutions and Technology. During the discussion that follows, we talked about how Jacobs is shifting our business focus, operations, and reimagined solutions to thrive through the path of COVID-19's global pandemic. Uh, to start us off, Bob, I'd, I'd like to begin with you. And this one is just kind of a, do you remember where you were type of question. It's, do you remember when you first realized that COVID-19 would impact your work and your personal life? Uh, I do. I know. I know exactly where I was. Uh, I will say, Paul, that I probably not probably. I did not know the extent, mm-hmm. and, uh, and clearly didn't uh, didn't understand the depth and the breadth by which we would all, just not myself and my family, but all of us as colleagues and, and citizens of the globe, mm-hmm. would go through. I was on a trip back from uh, just a short trip from Houston to Dallas, mm-hmm. and uh, my colleague uh, uh, Patrick Hill. Um, was was calling me about um, office closures that were going on. And we had been talking for about a week to two weeks, this is the first week of March, um, mm-hmm. about what we were experiencing in South Korea, uh, in Hong Kong, uh, and then some early cases uh, in Japan, actually. And um, so we didn't think you know too much of it. And then uh, there was a call from Ron Williams, uh, our our head of uh, one of our leaders that runs a. Uh, the Western part of the United States within, um, within PMPS and, uh, and talked about, uh, the city of Seattle starting to, uh, close down. And that's when it kind of all hit me is that it, this isn't like the previous SARS. Uh, this is something that's traveling and traveling at a pretty rapid pace. Um, and then, you know, the next thing you know, there were calls from Italy, there were calls from the UK and then city after city in the U.S. uh, came around. So about March 6th timeframe, in uh, Love Airfield in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, sitting down. And I remember the first call that I made was to Steve and uh, to Dimit- Steve Dimitrio and, and said, Steve, this is real. And we need to now go into some significant scenario planning. Here. Mm. Mm. And, and what concerns you most regarding Jacob's return to the workplace? You know, when we start thinking about getting through, we've been doing this now for, you know, five, six months, it, it seems like. But when you start thinking about the return to the workplace, uh, you know, what concerns you most regarding that and the services we provide to our clients? How is Jacobs sure. handling the, the second wave and the continuation of the virus? Well, I think a couple of things that are, that are in, that, in that question. One, let me just highlight, even dating back to the early days of March and even previously into February. Mm-hmm just because the nature of our business and how close we are in our client's business and client's mission, mm-hmm. we actually have several thousand, probably over 10,000 people that never did work from home. Uh, they, they remained out on client sites, um, helping our clients uh, deliver, deliver solutions to their clients, as well as some very mission critical areas of national governments, uh, whether it be in the intelligence or the defense community. Um, and so, you know, concern probably may be a strong word, but area of awareness for that are people that have been in harm's way from the beginning mm-hmm. is a real attention to the deep safety culture that we have in following process and protocols 
uh, not just related to COVID-19, but also, you know, that we've had embedded in, in our, our company and our culture for, for several years. Mm-hmm. With regards to kind of the balance, the 85% of our folks that did go into a work environment at home, um, I, I'd probably characterize it in two ways. Uh, one is, uh, and again, I wouldn't say concern, probably high level of sensitivity and awareness. Right. Uh, one is flexibility, and, and then the other is around, uh, again, very, very strict adherence to, to safe protocols. When I say flexibility, you know, we have a group of people that, uh, and a group of employees that, that really have, we, we as a company have benefited from now the, the experience of having flexible work models where we can work from home or from the office place and still be as productive as we've been in, in certain cases, even more productive. Mm. Um, and then there, there's a, there are a group of folks that are going to need to get back into the workplace, whether it be a site, whether it be an office place. Uh, and that's really been driven by our clients. And so on that, go back to my first comment, mm-hmm. you know, our, our, our strict adherence to our protocols, as well as resiliency, making sure that we have already established procedures in the event we were to have a case or uh, an incident or something else. So, so I think all of those are areas that, you know, our return to workplace team has been very methodical in what they've done. But this is a leadership, a leadership topic that, you know, Chrissy, myself, our colleagues are going to be deeply involved with, mm-hmm. but frankly, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's really been a, a marvel when you think about the size of Jacobs as an organization of like 55,000 people across the globe and dozens and dozens of countries uh, being able to move so quickly uh, to be able to facilitate a work from home or a work remotely kind of uh, working structure and without really missing a beat. Um, you know, and then now as we, we kind of look at, you know, that, that continuation of the virus and, and the impact that's had on, on our resiliency uh, priorities. Christy, I'd like to bring you in on this. Uh, how has the pandemic changed uh, resilience priorities? And how is Jacobs pivoting to accommodate that shift, especially as we face the next wave? Yeah, well, well thanks, Paul. And, you know, re- resilience has been really a hot topic both at, at Jacobs and with our clients in terms of how we ensure that, that we are planning for an uncertain future, mm-hmm. how we ensure that we're prepared, how we ensure that we are helping our clients to plan for the unexpected. So when we think about what it means to be resilient, certainly you can see in Jacobs' response and some of what Bob was talking about in terms of how we ensure the safety of our staff and really we're planning ahead and conducting scenario planning to really make sure that, you know, we were doing all we can to plan for that uncertain future. The other aspect of that is how we think about our solutions that we are responsible and there to provide for our clients. And so, you know, Bob mentioned in early March when we realized just how, how global globally reaching this pandemic was going to be, you know, likewise, mm-hmm. we, we quickly um, formed a team of our market directors and our global experts to also evaluate how we needed to ensure that not only were we helping our clients 
through urgent, you know, emergency related needs, you know, be it, you know, um, you know, hospital bed capacity or, um, you know, helping to identify retrofits for buildings or, or whatever it may be kind of most urgently and, and in the short term, but also how we help our clients through the pandemic and then to what increasingly became obvious as a new world with different paradigms within, with the variables that all interconnect in terms of the issues we face and the challenges we help our clients with, it became very clear the pandemic changed how we see that world emerging. And we're still experiencing that. So, you know, as we move forward, we start to see a future unfold that perhaps has some challenges that weren't the same as it was mm-hmm. back in before the pandemic, you know, in late 2019, but also some potential opportunities for our clients to really accelerate some uh, resilient behaviors, whether that's from a um, you know, societal perspective, from an individual perspective, a leadership perspective. So when you think about how the pandemic has changed leadership priorities, really as broad reaching as you can think about you know, how we measure ourselves by resilience on a personal, professional, and, and societal level. Resilience has really become at the forefront of our conversation. And you really see that both at Jacobs and in the industry. Okay. And then, you know, taking a, a look at, you know, what we're imagining today, you know, for society tomorrow, right, to kind of play off of our, our brand promise. Let me start with you, Bob, and then Christy, I'm going to also ask you to weigh in on this one. But So, Bob, what are some examples of how the solutions that Jacobs is imagining today for its clients uh, will better position society to face future pandemics and other disruptions? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question because that's where we get into the detail, right? You know, the, 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 what Christy and I have been talking about so far is broad-based and, you know, what's happened uh, at a very, very large scale. Let me get into a couple specifics and how they played into playing it forward uh, in a world with COVID mm-hmm. or with any other kind of debilitating, you know, virus that we might, uh, we might face. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of technology that we, we utilized in the delivery of our services, as well as providing technology-enabled solutions for our clients. This has been going on for years. Uh, and even what we would have thought was not innovative, you know, in the past was extremely innovative if you really think about the value that it created. Now let's flash forward. As that technology, as the world technology was advancing, bam, we get hit with COVID. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now those, those technologies that we were previously utilizing as a differentiator, they've now turned into are the, pretty much the only way we can deliver the service. So what are some of those? Um, remote diagnostics. You know, if you, if you take an example, our operations and maintenance teams that operate uh, utilities, predominantly water utilities, but also facilities management in, in other areas, mm-hmm. about, you know, of the roughly 2,500, 2,600 folks that we have day in and day out that do that, about four to 500 of them are actually sitting at home, high-end, you know, technologists, uh, that are gathering information, dynamic information coming from the field, making technolo- or technical assessments and sending those solutions back out. Whereas those four or 500 that were there on site before, 
um, I'm sorry, that were not on site before would, would have been on site. Mm. We're not on site today would have been on site before. Sorry yeah. about that. Um, so really this whole balance of uh, working remotely, we think about it from a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams standpoint, we're taking augmented reality, virtual reality, all kinds of different things and utilizing it in order to deliver what we were delivering on site before. Digital twins, other forms of simulation mm -hmm. where doing the dynamic testing in the field, we just can't do it because of social distancing requirements. We're able to do that in a controlled, safe environment and then be able to give a, a, a level of, of uh, predictability to our client in whatever those systems are. And the list goes, goes on and on. Geospatial mm -hmm. uh, uh, tools that we're utilizing today that before we would have to have humans in, on the ground in the field doing the work now that we're taking you know, um, uh, data from, from satellites and, and, and executing our work. So I think from that perspective, this is what we're reimagining. We're, we're, we're actually not just reimagining today, mm -hmm. but we're, you know, we're, we're reimagining the future as well. And so, um, so that's, those are things that are really, really helping us. Yeah, so it's, you're really able to uh, empower a greater respect, I, I guess you could say, for social distancing because you're not, you're not having to put employees on the ground in potentially compromising situations, I guess, uh, if I'm reading you right, where they would have to interact, um, you know, physically, and then instead they're able to do so virtually and still get the work done, um, and probably in a lot of ways achieve some efficiencies and, and things Absolutely. like that. That's been one of the silver lines, yeah. one of the several silver lines. Our productivity has actually enhanced, hmm. right, because we're taking a lot of the inefficiencies out of the normal methodologies of doing work. Mm -hmm. And then, so Chrissy, the same question for you, you know, uh, exploring some of the examples of the solutions Jacobs is imagining uh, to help better position society uh, for future disruptions. Yeah, so, so a couple of examples come to, not to mind and really to build on, on what Bob is saying about, you know, this digital acceleration, you know, a lot of, of what Bob talked about, you know, is really looking at, ways to work smarter, frankly, that, that we had access to before, but behaviorally, we just recognize that, you know, we're, we're all about ensuring repeatability and quality in our delivery. Mm -hmm. and, and our clients, you know, expect and, and should demand the same for their organizations. And so, you know, through, through the process of necessity and, you know, kind of really having everybody be, you know, almost entirely remote, we really have been able to leverage some of the quality tools that we've honed for, for many years to a greater extent. Something that might be a little bit different to talk about is really thinking about um, the emphasis on the health market. Mm. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the, you know, emergency, the urgent, you know, surge capacity needs and really, you know, all we can do to support governments and frontline workers as, as we, um, you know, fight the pandemic really day to day, hour to hour. You know, in addition, we start to think about some of the other markets like, you know, take aviation, for example, mm -hmm. you know, as we start to see the new post-pandemic world emerge, and even as we continue through the pandemic, we start to see more emphasis on things like biosurveillance and biosecurity. And you know, we've we've heard we've had our experts really um, working 
diligently, particularly with our aviation clients and a lot of other transportation and, and, and other clients on, you know, how we really integrate across those service areas, you know, how we really ensure that we've got the right level of focus for, for an airport on what needs to happen in terms of, you know, whether it's, you know, temperature checks, whether it's, um, you know, different types of screening that you would expect in the new world, you know, thinking about, you know, for example, 9-11 and some of the changes to security that happened, um, you know, after that event, you know, likewise, you can start to see that, that with the pandemic and just, you know, in my community, even just going around, um, you know, and being careful and masking and just the, the new dynamics and behaviors and, and traffic patterns that have been established you know, really pretty commonly, you think about, you know, what that means logistically for an airport, and you start to think about um, the importance of, of working now to set up the right frameworks as traveling does begin to recover, as, as people do begin to move around the globe, you know, more, more readily in the future. That's something that our experts are working with our clients on in the aviation space. You know, likewise, you think about it from, um, you know, a social equity perspective. So, you know, in partnership with Jacob Symmetrica, um, a lot of our experts have been uh, working with clients to measure social value, to measure the equity differences. You think about, you know, some of the, the news stories and with the pandemic around really exacerbating what were already existing problems in terms of poverty and hunger and access to, you know, common resources. And, um, you know, one of those might be internet, you know, thinking about kids, you know, not go working, going to school remote, not being in person in the classroom and just what that means from an equity perspective. And so, you know, in various, um, you know, countries around the globe, we start to see programs and, and, you know, economic stimulus packages around how we ensure kind of that equitable distribution of both infrastructure projects and, and, you know, 5G and, and, you know, internet connections and, you know, this, this inclusivity when it comes to, even just technology is something that that our clients are talking about and that we're helping our clients with. Absolutely. And uh, so, Bob, you know, Chrissy mentioned economic stimulus, and it kind of leads me into my next uh, question is, you know, how are you seeing things evolve in client spending priorities? And how are government stimulus packages impacting programs? Yeah, so Paul, it is of all of the you know, different uh, topics, right? We'll try to keep the glass half full. You know, one word might be challenge, mm -hmm. the other might be uh, topics. In all of the topics that we're dealing with right now, I think this is probably, from an external standpoint, uh, the highest priority. Mm -hmm. And and at Jacobs, you know, with a diversified business model, a diversified portfolio, it it it, it has a a, a positive uh, positive effect on us. In, in kind of uh, multiple ways, let me segregate it into three. Three main areas of our business. Private sector, kind of our infrastructure-centric mm -hmm. sector, which, which encompasses a whole slew of subsectors. And then our government services world, right? So think critical mission solutions in, in that world. Mm -hmm. the, the drivers right now that are creating a, uh, a bit of a dependence on future stimulus are all different. So let's just take each one quickly uh, down the path. Okay. Within the private sector, and so for us at Jacobs, we define our private sector predominantly by the manufacturing 
uh, element of the private sector. So big life sciences, electronics, specialized manufacturing, these types of, of end markets. Supply chains have completely been disrupted. You know, what was during, you know, probably, you know, our generation of globalizing the supply chain as population growth was going on all over, as well as trying to optimize skills that were globally, uh, with transit routes being plentiful for several decades uh, and growing uh, as well, that's all now been affected. You know, we, our clients are now looking at, okay, in the face, think resilience, back to Chrissy's comment, in the face of another global pandemic where the world shut down, shuts down, and transportation lanes shut down, shipping, air, land even, mm -hmm. uh, what do we do? So those now are being reworked. And so from a stimulus standpoint, economic stimulus, though it might not be direct like it would be in the public sector, is going to have an indirect effect with those clients that are looking at those global supply chains. You hear words like reshoring happening is are, are being talked about as well mm -hmm. about bringing bringing different uh uh different manufacturing facilities into local geographies right um and and there's going to be there's going to be a lot of benefits for jacobson right because think i said the facility the actual service we this pandemic this dislocation has actually made us more connected from a service element with all of our great talent around the world so we're going to have the ability to deliver wherever those jobs are going on secondary Infrastructure. You know, we, we at Jacobs, we've been able to hold our own. We've got a high level of client intimacy and long, long-term uh, uh, relationships with our clients. Mm -hmm. So as our public sector clients in the infrastructure world, business has been affected. We've been able to work with them. A lot of Chrissy talked about already. We've been able to work with them and figure out, okay, we were doing X. We might need to pivot and now do Y in order to sustain your business because that formula has now changed. Mm -hmm. And that's across the board, transportation, water, environmental, all kinds of, you know, applications there. Stimulus is going to help that. It's a pretty sustainable business right now. But if you're, if we see infrastructure stimulus coming in, in places that we have a heavy concentration, U.S., Canada, U.K., uh, Middle East, Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand, that's going to be a big bolster and we can pivot to growth from there. And I think why that's so important jobs. You know, if you think about it, this isn't, yes, J Jacobs is a beneficiary, but if you think about it from a more global perspective, mm -hmm. this is the number one, and this is a, this is a Bob Pregataism here, but this is the number one catalyst to creating jobs mm -hmm. because we have double digit unemployment going on all over the world. Right. And so that's a big piece. From a government services perspective, it's probably a little, little more immune to the need for stimulus. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that the government prioritization of where monies go, and, and, and actually Chrissy talked about it before, you know, when you think about surveillance, uh, talk about it from a biosecurity perspective, but, but think about it broader from an intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance perspective of national governments. Now, the threats have now changed. The threat is a threat that you can't see. And so that data is now changing. So. That, that stimulus going into that area or going into the space world, which is kind of tied into surveillance and reconnaissance as well, but also a lot of te uh, technology and, and science derivatives there, as well as cyber. You know, if, if you look at the number of, of cyber events, we won't even call it attacks, right? Mm -hmm. Cyber events from March of 2020 to today 
and compare it to any other five month period in our history, I think you're, you'll see different numbers, but you're talking two, three, four, five X, the number that was uh, prior to March. So these are all areas where, you know, I think we can benefit, but I think the world can benefit too in reprioritization of those, uh, of those numbers. Hmm. So as spending priorities change and as, you know, what the workforce of the future looks like and, you know, frankly, like facilities and society uh, and just the, the experience of, of making your way through, you know, society, you know, uh, using uh, buildings and, and interacting with businesses and whatnot, you know, it, it's all dealing with disruption. And so, Chrissy, how is Jacobs helping clients imagine shifts in the use of things like their facilities, infrastructure, and, you know, a distributed workforce and their needs, you know, in a post-pandemic world? Yeah, and, and there really are shifts that our clients are thinking about. And, you know, some of them, some of them are, are maybe modifications, but some of them are bold. Some of them are really changing the paradigms that we've really held close to us in terms of work behaviors. So, you know, a couple things on that, maybe start a little bit more near term as we work through the pandemic and then talk a little bit more long term. Um, what we've done and what our teams have done is really work with our clients to ensure that they have business continuity, that they can keep their clients, their customers, their employees safe as we deal with these, you know, uh, changed conditions, whether it's, you know, social distancing requirements, whether it's being able to continue on a construction site to enable, you know, the speed at which we need, you know, certain projects to continue even during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, we've really seen that with some of, you know, the, the supply chain, both, both, you know, on a, on a corporate scale, as well as just within our own households, you know, think about kind of the, the change in, in, in supply and demand. You think about kind of the toilet paper crisis that happened that now seems to be, you know, kind of recovered from. So, you know, what our team did for, for some of our clients really in the, in, in the, in the real estate sector um, was develop and the transportation sector is develop um, a model. It's an empirical model that starts to take, this onslaught of information from, you know, various institutions around the globe that are tracking and tracing and understanding just what the threat level, what the caseload, what the, you know, death rates for, for the COVID pandemic have been, you know, on a really a, a massive scale, just taking all of that data and starting to create a, a, a really an elegant tool where our clients can readily assess based on certain thresholds they've established for themselves in terms of what that means for their own scenario planning. And, um, you know, thinking about some of our clients in the transportation space, you know, whether there, there is more risk or less risk to opening certain sites within their portfolio, whether there's more risk or less risk to having on-site staff to, you know, keep a certain, you know, portion of their system open or closed. And, you know, that might seem 
like something that, that they could make some human decisions about. But the power of the model is to really create uh, a, a scientific decision-making, an informed decision-making tool that allows them to assess really for, for a number of locations and, and really countless scenarios, you know, what might be most ideal to minimize, uh, you know, exposure of their employees and, and of passengers as well. So um, that COVID-19 model has been really an effective tool to help our clients with. So, you know, thinking about that, thinking about, you know, connected construction and using IoT sensors with, uh, you know, our ION platform to, you know, ensure that we can go out and actually construct um, some of these facilities that are needed, particularly for, for vaccine development right now uh, and really meet the, the aggressive schedules that we need to and to ensure that we get the product that, that really the society as a whole will benefit from and really will save lives. So that's short term. And then thinking out a little bit further out as we, you know, really think about the opportunity that this presents itself, you know, I'll take Jacobs as an example being able to work 90% remote, limiting and really, you know, minimizing and even just just entirely cutting out a lot of the travel that was happening and starting to replace with, with you know, what we're doing right now, just virtual meetings and leveraging the tools we have available. Doesn't mean that we're always going to work like this and there's not some sort of, um, you know, uh, hierarchy of, of what activities do need to you know, return to, you know, more of a face-to-face -face version versus what can be done virtually. But it certainly has changed how we think about, you know, what we can do and how productive we can be. And so, you know, really working with our clients and, and using ourselves as a test case to really look at, you know, what does kind of a feasible real estate footprint look like into the future? You know, how do we encourage our staff to learn and be adaptive and agile in terms of, you know, what does make the most sense for their productivity. It might not be going into an office and, and sitting at a desk for, for eight hours a day. There might be something that's much more collaborative at the office and then allows employees to, you know, leverage the tools we have to work from home, you know, on a, on a much more regular basis. So, you know, for, for us and for our clients, those are, those are trends and, and areas that we're really focused on helping. Excellent. Excellent. And then, so, Bob, I want to pivot just a, a little bit here. Uh, you know, Chrissy was talking about, uh, you know, workforce and being able the how we enable them to work virtually. But can you talk a little bit about the concept of mental health resilience? You know, what is Jacobs doing to help support its own employees during this time of unprecedented change and stress? And then, you know, what lessons might clients and other organizations draw from Jacobs? That's a, so, so Paul, I, I get this question now in virtual town halls, but uh, mm -hmm. quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in, in, but not directly, it's indirectly. And the question that I get is, Bob, what keeps you up at night? Um, and, and it's not, it's not what we're doing with regards to, you know, reinventing tomorrow and, and all the things that uh, that Chrissy and the team are involved with. I got a lot of a lot of confidence in the, the just the sheer power of our team. Mm -hmm. It's mental health. Uh, it's 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 the mental health stability mm -hmm. of uh, of all of us, myself included. Um, and so it's something that we've 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 taken very seriously. And let me kind of segregate it into 
some of the informal, or I'm sorry, formal actions that we've taken, and then some of the informal actions, and then the why, right? Why? The, the formal actions are we immediately, in fact, I was smiling when Chrissy was talking about, you know, some of the platforms that we set up. I don't even know if Chrissy remembers because it's almost like weeks have turned into dog weeks. You know, <laughs> time is so immeasurable these days. Yeah. We actually started the now to next effort back in March when we had no idea how long or how deep this was even going to be. And we had a couple of three, four, five work streams, which I'm sure now Chrissy has now turned into several work streams. But the same thing with mental health, right? So the formal mechanisms that we set up early on were mental health matter uh, uh, campaigns with regards to different sessions that we're holding virtually. People can call in, be very vulnerable, talk about things that they're dealing with. You know, we put a lot of stuff on our, our Jacobs Connect site with some materials that people could refer to. We opened up EAP to a big employee assistance program to a huge amount so people can pick up the phone and have someone there to talk to. And so those are things, those are tools that we immediately came out with. The informal piece was engagement, right? If you, if you look at, you know, just our, our teams that we lead, our immediate teams, and even our broader teams, making sure that we were doing check-in calls, and whether it be once a week or a couple of times a week or whatnot, making it to where we could simulate the same level of engagement that we would have when we could be with each other live, right? And, and those those work really well. Um, th then the informal piece, the informal piece of um, since Chrissy and I are on the call together. You know, I haven't talked to Chrissy in, in a month or six weeks. I wonder how she's doing. Mm. Let, let me let me just chat her real quick and just see, even if it's chat, not even on on, on Teams. Mm -hmm. Hey, how's it going? What's happening with you? How are the kids? You know, schools coming back, those kinds of things. I think that's really important as well because at Jacobs, we're a family. It's personal. If it wasn't personal, none of the three of us, none of the four of us would be here, right? And so we, we made it very personal. And so the why, the, the why, the formal pieces, the informal pieces with regards to engagement, it's because of our culture. Mm -hmm. We care. It's a culture of caring. And in our lifetime, please, please goodness, I hope it's, and, and this is the last time in our lifetime, but who knows? None of us ever have and potentially ever will go through an experience like this. And while this is going on in the business world, in the world as we know it, yeah. we're all dealing with personal stuff with our own families day in and day out that, that has uh, an element too. So you kind of put all that into a, into a box, Paul, and you think, you know what? We all went to schools. We all had great experiences professionally. We're going to be okay. That's the piece that is going to be, is going to keep us together. And so, uh, so something that if I were to rank priorities, my own personal leadership priorities, that's number one. Yeah. It's really about investing in the humanity of your workforce Absolutely. and realizing that the human capital is, is really what ends up ultimately driving the success of your organization. Right. And this all has a different effect on all of us. Mm -hmm. How it affects me is probably different than how it's affecting you. It's probably different than mm -hmm. how it's affecting Chrissy. Mm -hmm. And so that situational awareness to understand, I might be having a, a, a conversation with Paul today, mm -hmm. but then a conversation with, with Chrissy tomorrow, and those are two completely different, but they're all around mental health. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. So uh, these next uh, set of questions uh, you know, are for both of you, and, and I'm really going to ask you to kind of 
prognosticate a little bit on where you see things going. Uh, obviously, you know, nobody really knows 100%, but you know, we can make some, some educated conjectures. And so I'll, I'll start with you, Bob, and, and then, Christy, I'm going to ask you to weigh in as well. Uh, this first one is, is looking across markets and focus. What are the trends and patterns that you're seeing? Well, the biggest that, uh, that we both, Chrissy and I have both talked about a couple of times already, mm -hmm. resiliency is going to be redefined. You know, the conventional way of, of how we used to think about resiliency, it kind of started from more of an infrastructure and in a, in a, you know, a, a, the effects of climate change, quite frankly, and urbanization and all those historical market drivers. Mm -hmm. I think today that resiliency is now at a different level. Mm -hmm. And, and so the, the, the known and the unknown threats that we face as a, as a global work, workplace, mm -hmm. uh, when I say workplace, the environment, our infrastructure, our people, our mental health, everything, I think now it's going to be resiliency one, potentially functionality, you know, 1A, mm -hmm. because those two are going to be really, really tightly uh, controlled. So I think... That's a big one. The, the other one that I would highlight is uh, is supply chains. Mm -hmm. I really think that the global supply chain, whether it be in the manufacturing sector, you know, look look at all the things that we're hearing right now, even within, you know, the, the news of the U.S. with regards to the postal service and mm -hmm. all kinds of other things. So I think supply chains, logistics, how the world operates, is is going to be a big big topic uh, as we move forward and a, and a trend. That we need to be sensitive to. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, and we've been on this journey, we Jacobs have been on this journey, but I see it being massively, massively accelerated, is around connectivity of our talent and our people. Mm -hmm. You know, Chrissy earlier mentioned, I, and I liked it so much, I, I wrote it down, um, the behavioral aspects mm -hmm. of what we're dealing and the behavioral change, behavioral change is that was kind of our biggest handicap, the behaviors and the paradigms that we all lived in. Mm -hmm. And we lived in the world, we all grew up, quite frankly, in a, in a, in a professional environment where I couldn't, I couldn't work on a team with someone that I didn't have line of sight to, mm -hmm. right? Physical line of sight. And, and now we could be, oh, heck, the three, the four of us right now could be sitting in the same metropolitan area and we wouldn't even know, right? Because this is our line of sight now. So whether the person on the other end of the camera is sitting 10,000 miles away and then that force and that power for us to be connected and deliver local solutions, mm -hmm. huge, huge shift. When I mean, we thought we were going through a paradigm shift, we've just doubled down on that for those three big ones. Interesting. And then, Chrissy, how about you? Uh, trends and patterns across markets and focus, what are you seeing? Yeah, so so really just, you know, looking at at, you know, kind of where where I sit, which is really my my whole job is to integrate and collaborate across, you know, all the markets and the hundreds and hundreds of specializations that we serve our clients with. Mm -hmm. You know, it's apparent to me that we work best when we have true integration and we you hear this buzzword a lot, holistic end-to-end -end solutions. Mm -hmm. And it's a buzzword, but it's a buzzword because it's true. And so as we've been working with interdisciplinary teams of experts to put together the reimagined solutions that are, you know, part of our 
COVID-19 response for our clients. Mm -hmm. You hear this over and over again to the point where sometimes I'm like, all right, guys, I get it. Like, we know we've got to be integrated. We know we need holistic solutions. What else do we need? And, and the team keeps coming back to the fact that we need these cross-market collaborations and strategies. And that's really, you know, with, with the with the COVID pandemic, it used to be, you know, certainly we, we leveraged, you know, remote meetings to, to get our work done and to collaborate. Mm -hmm. It's exponentially increased and accelerated in terms of our comfortability doing that in a workshop setting, both with our clients as well as with our teams. And so, you know, if there's one thing I can comment on in terms of trends, it's it's that clients are looking for not just, you know, one, one, one nail to solve this one little problem over here, or, or maybe even, you know, this solution over here, mm -hmm. but how do we really look at the challenges our clients face as interrelated and interconnected in a way that diverse thinking and, and diverse expertise can really benefit our clients. And that's really where I see, um, you know, the resiliency of Jacobs as being so critical is to support that, that integration. So, so that, that's one thing, you know, the other thing kind of more specific about, you know, digital and, mm -hmm. you know, how we, how we enable not just technology, because mm -hmm. I think we, we know what we need to do in terms of, of technical technology and integrating technology, but about ensuring that Jacob's workforce, everybody, not just people that have digital in their title or, or are related to technology, mm -hmm. that everybody understands the role they play as human beings in this organization. You think about the mental health aspect, right? We are here. We're social beings. We're a relationship-oriented business. And we are here to promote, you know, what's really a human, a human led business and our technology and tools support that. But as, as we progress, I think there's even more emphasis on understanding the, that skill set. We'll call them future essential skills that are really about how we leverage human capacity and, and human curiosity for the better of our client through that integration, right? So the, these two concepts are connected for me, but those human skills are even more emphasized now more than ever, mm -hmm. even though our technological acceleration is faster than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And then my, my last question for today, uh, and this is a question for both of you, and it's really, you know, both think about the impact organizationally, but then also personally and globally. So. What does a, and I'll start with you, Bob, uh, and then Chris, I'm going to have, again, the same question for you, but what does a resilient future look like through your eyes for Jacobs, for your family, and for the world? So, um, so Paul, full disclosure here, mm -hmm. uh, of the questions I, I, that some of them we, we got in advance, I didn't, probably should have looked at deeper. This one I did look at, <laughs> and, uh, and I came up with, um, you know, what three words, and I tried to make it a little fun and something that, that people could, could remember, mm -hmm. first of all, that I could remember. And, and, I, and I came down to, and again, this is Jacob's, my Jacob's family, as well as my, 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 fa my biological family. Right. Um, three A's. Anticipate, agility, mm -hmm. and aspire. The anticipate, 
we got caught with our with, with on our heels, right? We got caught on our heels. Everybody did, not just everybody. Jacob. The whole world did. The whole not world. just Jacobs. Everybody. The whole world did. Right. We at Jacobs were able to to rebound very very quickly mm. and got after it. But in a new world, we need to anticipate mm. these types of things uh, and and know what we're going to do before we do it. On the agility, the agility gives us the ability to 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 respond mm. and respond very quickly, right? But I think that's going to become more and more of our DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially, you know, look at it. We're, we're a big company. And big companies have big, big stigmas affiliated with them. Mm-hmm. And, and so that agility, you know, we've demonstrated. We've got to now make it a part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is, you know, aspire. Right. And, and, and for us, we're constantly aspiring of who we want to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I think that's a good thing. Right, because if we get complacent or satisfied with who we are today, then I think we're done. Right, and and we've got we've got fifty five thousand people that are always looking to the future, mm-hmm. trying to aspire to be better. So those are my three A's. All right, anticipate, agility, and inspire or aspire. And then Chrissy, for you, uh, what does a resilient future look like for through your eyes for Jacobs, for your family, and for the world? Yeah, so so funny enough, this is one that I thought about a lot. I actually was, I got to the point, I was thinking about it last night, and I actually dreamed about it a little bit. Oh, good. <laughs> so it's really amusing that I landed on this, Bob. Self-awareness. Nice. So awareness, I think, fits into your Aspire A. But to me, you know, as we think about a resilient future, it really comes down to knowing ourselves, not being overconfident, but also being confident enough to know that we can face challenges. We've done it before. We can do it again. Mm-hmm. But that self-awareness really, for me, is, is critical to ensuring that we can be lifelong learners, mm-hmm. which is what, what's really required to, to face an, an unknown future. You know, Bob talked about kind of the known knowns, the, the, the known unknowns and, you know, right. that, that paradigm. You know, the unknown unknowns, right? That's the most chaotic of the four quadrants. Mm. If we're not self-aware, mm-hmm. how, can we, how can we have any, any you know, potential to address these unknown unknowns? So to me, it's about, you know, monitoring, surveying, looking over the horizon, you know, making sure that we are constantly updating our position and leveraging each other given the the deep talent we have in this company, which is frankly, you know, what I did when, you know, back early on this year, like we talked about when Bob asked, you know, my organization to, you know, come up with these reimagined solutions. Mm-hmm. I, so the self-awareness told me I, I need this team and we all need to collaborate together to get this done. And I'm so glad that, that I did. And, and that's, you know, really something that's at the core of how we need to iterate and moderate, moderate our way through this. Yeah, well, you know, and if the technological accelerations that modern living haven't demonstrated to us that we need to continuously learn, you know, this pandemic has sure, like, been a wake-up call that we definitely need to have that agile thinking and that awareness and aspiration to uh, to be able to respond and, and to move quickly. So thank you so much. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Paul. Thanks, Bob.